Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright. That there is Howard Tybal. Hey, Pete. How are you today? I am doing so well. We got That's a, you, great. You've got quite a road show, is what I've noticed. It's uh, it, it's getting better and worse at the same time. The worst part is the uh, this this weather and the unpredictability of this weather. Because even when it's like you know blizzard, you can't see the, the the flights go. But if it's like two inches of snow, they cancel. You just there's no predicting yeah. uh, how what these airlines choose to do. That is, uh, they, they are getting finicky. Uh, they're like old uh, old finicky old cats. Uh, like you, you and just, me. Yes, exactly. You just never Actually, know what me, they're going to do. You're not old. I'm old. I, <laughs> you are on your way. Uh, you're headed into New York uh, coming up uh, in a little bit. And you know, you're going to have to check me. I'm not entirely sure I even know the date, but I do know where you're going. You're, you're, you've got another event with Ikubo in New York. The Ikubo New York Area Programming Committee has invited you to do a conversation with them uh, at their spring program uh, at the new school uh, in the uh, Lang Student Center coming up in New York City, and you are going to be walking this group through uh, your decision-making model. Now, we have talked about the decision-making model in the past, uh, and I, I believe we actually have an episode uh, where we have walked through the decision-making model, uh, you know, some in days gone by. Uh, and I will link that in the show notes if you want some historical context. But you have been doing a lot of work around the decision-making model, and I imagine that this thing continues to evolve for you. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, about where the decision-making model fits and how you're going to uh, help these folks uh, improve their decision-making processes. Well, let me first give you the date, which is uh, <laughs> oh, May now you're, now you're just showing off. May no, 28th. No, I'm not. You, know, you, you, you talked long enough that I was able to look it up and find it. <laughs> May 28th uh, is this event with this Ikubo Programming Committee, uh, working with Howard Buxbaum from Bloomfield uh, on this. And what I'm really excited about is that uh, I think that the more I'm doing this, I'm discovering that a systematic approach to decision-making is something that people really have been starving for. I don't even think they've realized that they've been starving for it. It's The symptoms uh, historically have been uh, meetings are horrible or, or meetings are ineffective or let's only meet, you know, once every two weeks. As a matter of fact, let's stop meeting and, you know, then let's restart it because we don't know what each other's are doing. But when we meet again, so it's this vicious cycle of trying to get in there and effectively work together to make decisions, and then realizing that you walk away going, what do we decide? And it's, it's, it's a chronic problem. So the model itself is really just an approach from having observed uh, teams uh, over the years and coming up with this idea of breaking the different segments of uh, decision-making into uh, the kinds of things that you have to think about individually. So I'll give you an example. Uh, at its core, why we come to the table, I mean, this is what we're going to talk about, at least get started on. Why we come to the table is because there's a problem we're trying to solve. And most of us, we get to a meeting or we're called to a meeting or we're, we're put on a task force because there's a problem we're trying to solve. Sometimes we call it opportunities because we want to put a nice edge around it. For the most part, though, we don't say, hey, great opportunity. Let's get together and meet. It's more like, let's get together. We have an issue we're trying to uh, deal with as a group. So we sit down and very quickly, 
it, it actually doesn't take long for the first good idea to come on the table. People go, yeah, that sounds like that's going to solve the problem. And then they write a work plan. Everybody gets up. Nobody really knows who's doing what, but that's okay because they figure it out at the next meeting. But here's the interesting thing. They're often solving the wrong problem. They don't know why it's important. They don't even have a vision for what it is that they're where they're trying to go or what success looks like. Uh, they haven't brainstormed alternative ideas uh, that could be solutions to the problem. And the, the fact that all those or some of those pieces get skipped lead to an incomplete story. So at the heart of what the decision-making model is, it's around developing a discipline as individuals and as a group to be able to ask What's the problem we're trying to solve, right? Why is it important? What's the vision as if it's in place? What does it look like? And then effectively doing a deep dive into brainstorming. I've been doing a lot more writing about this. And, and what I'm finding is there's a lot, you know, you, you can pick up books on brainstorming. You can pick, on book, you can pick up books on uh, vision. Simon Sinek wrote a whole book on why. And what I, what I think is useful about this is it's sort of pulling these different discrete elements together into an approach to help you and your teams work through problems and opportunities. It, these problem versus symptom conversations, you start out saying, you know, I hate going to meetings. Well, you hate going to meetings because we're not very good at meetings. Well, we're not very good at meetings. Why? Uh, what do we need to do to get better at, at meetings? Meetings are hard. Well, this decision-making process helps you, it sounds like, walk through the uncomfortable part of, uh, of you know, I want to say change, but that, that may be a little bit broad, uh, the uncomfortable part of processing new ideas. Uh, is that your, you're putting a system to processing new ideas. Is that your your approach here? There's, there's an important piece that you're identifying here in, in meetings. Uh, and, 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 and meetings to me are an example, whether we're talking about a meeting or we're talking about a project, uh, people need to come together to make decisions. If left to our own devices, we have a lot of freedom to try something, experiment, fail. But when it comes to working with others, all of a sudden the gears begin to halt and we or slow down. And we find ourselves really not even sure we're focused on the right things. And there's a lot of other obvious dynamics to play out. But, but at this meeting, this lunchtime event, what I'm going to focus on is uh, one, teach this group about this decision-making model, give them a chance to engage with me in examples of problems so I can sort of demonstrate for them sort of how to walk through this so they can take it back to their institutions and use it with their teams. I mean, there's a, you know, you can't see this right now, but there's a visual element to this where you have literally this document where you can see the eight steps in a, in a flow and what teams are doing when they're using this is they're discovering that, oh, we skipped the vision piece. We don't, and, and, you know, that might sound a bit hokey, but it's very simple. It's like, okay, what does success look like, right? How many times, I mean, uh, let me put it this way. Go into your next meeting and ask when you're listening to people describing something you're trying to solve, ask what does success look like? It will silence the room, and not because uh, 
people are completely like uh, stymied. It's that it's a question we're not used to being asked, and it, and it it takes time to think about. All right, what do, we know what we're working on. We often don't know why we're working on it, and being explicit about that is critical to to raise what you're trying to do so it communicates effectively for the people you're trying to affect. So in many ways, when people learn this, it's common sense. But what happens is in the course of having to work with others, without a roadmap, it's very easy to not follow this process. We uh, got a uh, a wonderful quote the last time you you did this uh, presentation uh, to a large group a, num- a wonderful series of wonderful quotes on Twitter but this one sticks out to me regarding the decision making process uh, this was a head of school we got more done in fifteen minutes than we've do- have gotten done in four months using the the title decision making I was blown away by that I mean I, I got to tell you that. You know, I've been doing this long enough that, you know, I often don't hear those kind of anecdotes. But I think what that person was really referencing is this idea that uh, over the course of four months, we keep revisiting the same thing. Or we actually make a lot of progress in one thing, but there's a lot of other things we never talked about. And in 15 minutes, because this is an exercise I gave this group in this workshop, uh, they took a real problem, and as a small group and small teams, they worked it. And in 15 minutes, they covered all the bases of what's the problem, why is it important, what does success look like, brainstorm some alternatives, refine the problem, and then develop a timeline. And I'm like... The, the truth is, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I think we make it unnecessarily overcomplicated. Well, and that is very much your uh, your MO, is, is trying to take these complex processes and make them approachable for humans, for individuals, to, to uh, reduce stress in times of, of, uh, of great complexity otherwise. And so I think this is just another uh, a great opportunity to, uh, to take your uh, existing... Uh, machine and apply uh, some new grease to it. Without question. Yeah. Uh, And I love that you brought up stress because I think part of the reason why this is even more important is in times of stress, we fall back on sort of animal behavior. You know, we, we lose our patience. You know, we, you know, it's the fight or flight kind of reactions. That's, That's the lizard brain. That's the lizard brain. And, and I think because of that, we even have less capacity uh, to work together. What this does, in my experience, is helps people stay focused on the task at hand. It depersonalizes it. So when you interrupt somebody and say in the middle of them saying, so I think we should start this in September, and you say, wait a second, weren't we just figuring out prioritizing the items? Are we done with that? It's not personal. But in the course normally of interrupting somebody, it comes off as, as you're almost like an attack. So we're really we're so polite with each other because we don't have a mechanism to interrupt the other person and say, we were in the middle of brainstorming. Do we want to continue with that or should we move on to prioritizing? Oh, OK, let's go back to brainstorming. Uh, and the what I've discovered with teams is this facilitates a, a certain kind of civil behavior and a freedom to, to actually interact because it doesn't get personal. 
when you look at when you think of examples of of uh, organizations that have have begun to implement your um, your approach to improving decision making, uh, you know, we talk about these uh, examples of folks who who are able to get done in fifteen minutes what they uh, have been struggling to get done in four months. Uh, is that your uh, your typical uh, response that you get from folks who really are implementing this? Do you see those kinds of, of results? You know, at 8 a.m. Monday morning when I get back to work after this session with Howard Teibel, uh, we're able to see change? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, you were supposed to hit that one out of the park. That was such I, a... I'm going to be honest. It's, it, you know what it is? It, it, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there are, you know, there are people who will see this, they've been looking for this, and they will jump on it. There are people that see this as a good idea, and they will take it back, and they will do their best. And there are people that will take this, and they will say, you know what, this was great, but I'm not motivated. And they, so so the, the simple answer to your question is, uh, it is all a function of that person's, when they have the insight, willingness to get in there and try and affect the change in their organization. And I absolutely have seen people uh, take this and made this part of how they work with their teams, developing new language. But it's a choice. And for some people, uh, they haven't sort of said, you know what? I'm going to own this. A lot of this is about finding ways of owning uh, being a leader and being a leader through not out of authority, but being a leader out of influence. So, you know, I'm being a bit facetious by saying no, because I think most people walk away from this and go, this is going to be great for us. Uh, tracking somebody through this, I get emails from people and anecdotes, people saying this has been, you know, great. This is, I'm, I'm using this with my team, very helpful. Uh, but I think it, it's a whole spectrum of reactions. Uh, and, and that other piece, by the way, has to do with how teams evolve and how they move through the stages of becoming a high-performing team. Uh, this is a tool to help facilitate that. I stand by it being transformative and uh even if if you're going to be uh, a realist about this whole thing <laughs> you're so good you're always thinking <laughs> on the positive side that's me uh so this uh, the may 28th the spring program uh from the ikubo new york programming committee uh very excited uh, to get you down there it's going to be a, a quick presentation just an hour and yet in 15 minutes, you should be able to save yeah. four months. Of I mean, results. that's a great point. I mean, yeah. I, I was talking to Howard Buxbaum about this, and and the, uh, the the what's true is I've done this as a workshop, and again, this is available to people in a workshop format for their teams. Uh, but in one hour, there's no question we can get through the mechanics, and they're going to take away the tools so they actually can actually have this. Uh, this visual, and they can go back and apply it, or they can reach out to me and say, listen, you, can you clarify some? So I think it's going to be a very informative session for people, and I'm really excited about it. Outstanding. Well, uh, as always, Howard, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your uh, busy roadshow and sharing uh, this upcoming presentation, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely get it on the calendar. As we know more, there's still, uh, the as of right now, the, the website for uh, the Kubo event has not been created, but we will definitely be updating our events page, uh, and so you can check back at tybalink.com slash events, and uh, you'll be able to find details as we know it. 
if you if you happen to be in the New York area. Uh, other than that, I think we're good. Do you have any other messages for the people, Howard? No, it's perfect. This is uh, we, we want to just make this available for their membership to listen to this to get a preview of what we're doing. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody. Look forward to seeing you uh, if you are going to be attending the New York event. Otherwise, we will catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. Thank you.